right, so after a little break, it's really nice to be back. And uh, one of the great things about doing this podcast is that I get messages on almost a daily basis from pretty much random people, sometimes friends, but sometimes just random people, giving me recommendations on photographers to check out, work to check out, photos that people really like. That's my favorite part of this because it's just expanded my knowledge of photographers that are available for you to enjoy their work. And uh, today's guest, who I'm not even going to begin to attempt to pronounce his name without his advisory on it, is one of those people. He he was recommended to me recently, and I immediately knew I had to speak to him about his work. And uh, let's just start off. uh, Let's start off with how you pronounce your name. Let's get that out of the way, first of all. Yeah, it's a it's a classic Dutch name, so everyone outside of the Netherlands doesn't have a clue. Um, the Dutch way is Jelle. It's like yellow, but a little little bit different. But you can you can give your own twist to it, pronounce it any way you like. <laughs> you can call me you can call me Jay if that, if that is easier. I'm not I'm not the most difficult. I, I'm fine with yellow. That's fine. That's pretty much how English people say yellow anyway, because we can't say any of our own words correctly as it is. <laughs> So the first thing we always do with the podcast, uh, we kind of want to start from the beginning. So uh, what made you take up an interest in photography? What made you want to be a photographer? Um, well, it's a funny story, actually. I'm a, I'm a bass player originally. Um, I've been doing that for the past 12 years now. Um, but once COVID hit, it was time to, uh, to, to find something else to do. And I've always been interested in, in imagery in the broadest sense. So... Um, could have been photographs, could have been films, paintings or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was always following a lot of photographers on Instagram and I really enjoyed watching their work. So I thought, why not give it a go myself? I've always been thinking in pictures all my life. So yeah, it was kind of, kind of an easy switch for me to, uh, to, to take up a camera and, um, I just bought a camera and started shooting. It's one of those really irritating things when someone tells you, you, you approach someone to do a podcast and you really like their work. And then they tell you that they've only been doing it for a year. And as someone that's constantly crippled with self-hatred of my own work, and I've been doing this since 2013, uh, it's very frustrating to see someone get so good at it so quickly. <laughs> I, I, I still hate my work from time to time. It gets, <laughs> it gets better with, with time, but... Yeah, it's um, it's it's a long journey to 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 that self love. Well, it's interesting you say that you were already interested in in photographers' work and photographers in general or photography in general, because uh, I think that's actually where a lot of people fall down when it comes to photography is they get interested in the gear or they get interested in the technical aspect of it and they don't develop like a taste for what they actually like from photography. So what were your influences to start with? Like, what was it that really made you want to pick up a camera? Was it, was there any particular photographers or any particular work? Yeah, the biggest, the biggest influence, uh, the last few years, I would say has to be Sam Damashek. I don't know if you know him. I do not. He's, uh, I'll, I'll DM you his profile. He's a, he's a, he's a guy from LA. He's, he's 21 and he's been shooting the biggest models and the biggest clients ever since he was 16. And he's, he's really, he's really up there with the greats. He's shooting, um, what's his name? I don't know. It'll come to me. Famous singers, famous models shooting for the biggest brands. And he's, he's shooting all film. So that was really intriguing for me, how the 20, 21 year old kid from LA could make that work and could make that happen for himself. And I've been, been watching his work. For the last couple of years and seeing it evolve and yeah that really triggered me to uh, to pick up a camera myself and try to 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 mimic that in terms of feel mostly not in terms of looks per se but more the feel that he gets from his images and it's very feels very personal and intimate and that is something i i really enjoy watching same goes for uh cameron hammond and rachel gill Mm-hmm. The photographers duo. Um, these guys have that same quality where they, you as a viewer, uh, you, it, it really feels like you could have taken that shot yourself, and that's something I really admire in in both. And um, yeah, I follow a, a bunch of other guys, but especially Sam has been a major influence for the last few years, really. 
So it's always been people photography that you've been interested in. It's it's specifically photographing other people. Yeah, yeah, that's something I really enjoy. I'm not I'm not a guy who, who wanders around in the forest with a camera. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first the first photos I took were on a trip to London. Actually, that's uh, that's that's where I first picked up photography. It was it was my first solo trip, and I I brought a camera, uh, used it for five days, and then. Uh, threw it in a threw it in a drawer here, and then picked it up a year later. Um, but those London photos weren't really uh, people photography. That was more uh, the the usual suspects you shoot in London, you know, some street work, or um, a market stuff like that. Right. Okay. So let's let's talk about subjects in particular then, because uh, as as someone that photographs people, I'm always fascinated in what other photographers who photograph people look for in like an ideal subject, you know, what, what makes someone jump out of them? Cause everyone these days with the, the wonderfully horrible invention of Instagram, everybody is a model. Now everybody is a international superstar celebrity in their own right, because uh, they get focused on their followers or whatnot. Um, so what do you look for in a, in a subject, in a model in particular? Um, I do want to, I do want to emphasize that, I, I would love to, to shoot anyone in the friendliest way possible. Um, but if, if I, if I look for people for my own projects, I look for a certain edge and that edge is usually somewhere in the eyes or in the face that someone has a certain depth in their eyes that not a lot of people have. And that is something I really look for and admire in people. And I think that's, that, that's what makes a good model. And that's, that's what makes a great model. Someone who can really draw you in with just their eyes. And it it doesn't really matter what they are or aren't wearing. Some of my work is a bit on the nude end, I would say, but even still the best shots I took were of people with, with great eyes and great facial expressions. And it's not a matter of looking pretty. That's the biggest, the biggest downfall of this Instagram trend. Like you say, everyone thinks he or she is a model because she's pretty or whatever. Right. Uh, is it the case then that, I mean, one thing I do get from looking at your work for sure is, is it seems like there's a uh, tremendous connection between you and the person you're photographing. You can actually see I don't even know how to describe it because it's kind of an intangible, but you can see something of a relationship between the person taking the picture and the person in the picture in the sense that it doesn't look like what a lot of people photography these days looks like, which is almost e-com work. It looks like a person doing a cycle of poses in front of a camera, whereas with your work, it looks like there's a genuine connection. It looks conversational. That's the word I'm looking for. It looks conversational, which is it is missing a lot these days with photography. So in terms of the way that you photograph, what, how are you with directing models? What's, what's the actual process of shooting? Like, are you talking the whole way through? Do you direct them a lot? Do you let them do what they want to do? How does that work? Um, I actually do not direct a lot because I think the, um, the way, the way you describe conversational, that's, that's kind of the, the feel I want from the shoot. I never plan uh, two to three hours or whatever it takes. It takes as long as it takes. And if we're done in 90 minutes, then we're done in 90 minutes. And when it takes three and a half hours, then, then that's that. So to me, it's very important to, to get the know, to get to know the subject, um, in a, in a friendly way, you know, like if you're looking at the photographs, I want like, like Sam, like Sam's work, um, I want the viewer to think that they could have taken that shot themselves. Like I was the boyfriend present who happened to have a camera on him and taking the shot and to get, to get into a more relaxed feel. And even if I shoot with, with models who, who, uh, who do a lot of econ work, I just tell them, listen, please be yourself and be, be present and don't think of this as a photo shoot. Think of this as two people having a conversation, having a, having a nice evening together or a nice day together. And then in the meantime, I, I snap some photos and that's that. That is also why I want, I want to shoot film more than digital. 
right. nowadays everyone everyone shoots tethered into into their laptop or everyone shoots on a, on a 5d or whatever and they you get that visual feedback and that visual feedback is something that's that's not present if you shoot film so there's no way to to correct a certain pose or to correct a certain facial expression or whatever so once you once you get into that vibe then yeah the rest will take care of itself then then it feels more authentic to shoot film than digital i mean you you can if you you know don't shoot tethered and turn your screen off and don't look back all day you can you can get close but the temptation is still there so it's kind of like by shooting film you remove um the camera as a distraction yeah exactly most people freeze up when the when when the when when a lens gets pointed at them even even models that model on the regular some of them still need about 15 to 20 minutes to warm up and even then they 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 fall back into their modeling routine if they if you if they hear that shutter going and i want to i want to move away from that i want to i want to photograph people and i don't want to photograph people pretending to be a model or people modeling or whatever. I will come back to film in a second, but it sounds like, and I might be completely wrong and that's kind of the fun of this, but it sounds like by talking about Sam's work and talking about he's photographing celebrities and a lot of what people like about photography of celebrities is when you take the celebrity and you humanize them. You, you know, you get, yeah. you get Margot Robbie and then you, you photograph her, like you said, like, like you're, it's almost like the, the, like you said, the person viewing the photo could have taken it. It's like they're in the room with that person. It's more about the person than it is about the, the icon or the, the celebrity status. It's more about the actual individual behind it. So do you sort of treat everyone that you're photographing like a celebrity in that sense? No, I actually think it's the other way around. I, um... I, the first time I really shot uh, a professional model model, I was actually kind of nervous because, you know, you, you, you put them on a pedestal somewhat in a way um, right. that, that, that whole imposter syndrome starts, starts to come up and you think, well, I'm, I might not be good enough for this. And what, what if she, what if she knows that I'm actually not a good photographer? Um, but once you start shooting, you, you, you come to the conclusion that this is, this is just an individual like, like, like the next one. And whether or not they have 40 K followers on Instagram, that, that shouldn't matter. And that, that doesn't matter in the end. I mean, it's just a, it's just a girl standing in front of a photographer and two people having a fun evening. I mean, in, in uh, going back to film here, you, you mentioned obviously about the, the detachment that it creates from the camera, which, which I completely agree with you. I started shooting tethered about a year ago and I'm still, I still have a lot of problems with it in a lot of the ways that you're mentioning. It becomes the focus of everything that you're doing. It slows everything down, uh, but not in, in the right way. It slows things down. Like as soon as you start to feel like you're building up a rhythm, it goes back to the screen and back to the screen and back to the screen. It can be very frustrating. I think as well with the way, that this generation, because I think like now we're fully immersed with a generation of models that have grown up with the internet being pretty much the center of their lives. And if you took their phone away, they'd have a mental breakdown like most people would now. Exactly. That, that obsession with screens makes it a lot harder. So with film, on top of the fact that you get that, that delayed gratification, is it actually the look of film that you like as well? Yeah, it, it sort of... It's sort of the um, the compressor in the music. It really, um, I don't know if you know how a compressor works. Yeah, in music. yeah, yeah. It sort of ties everything together, and that is something that happens with with, with film as well. And if, if you also, if you record to tape, I mean, if you listen to songs from the Beatles, like like the like their '60s, '70s early work, it sounds very warm, and it sounds like you're in the room with them, and it doesn't sound distant and that is that is the feeling i get from film i mean you can you can edit a digital file to look like film and you can get pretty close but in terms of 
overall feel and warmth and coziness and a certain old school vibe and that that's something that you, you can't mimic that on digital i think definitely not and i think as well the process like with music the process of how you record something your knowledge of that process influences the way that you behave in the recording yeah and it's also it's also a matter of leaving in leaving in imperfections i mean i do um, I'm very nitpicky during shoots. If I see something that I don't like, I remove it before I take the photo. I don't want to remove anything in post. Um, I do very little retouching. I do some minor blemishes, but that's about it. If, if there's a, there's a hair sticking out somewhere or hair is looking weird, I just usually leave it at that. Um, or I see it on the shoot and then I tell them, you know, let's, let's, let's do, let's do something else with the hair or, um, let's do something else with clothing. But yeah, leaving in those imperfections, that's, that's what keeps it real. And that's, that's also part of the vibe and part of the look that I'm going for the authenticity. That's, that's very important to me. Well, let's talk about the, I don't like end game. I don't like talking about things like there's a destination because you're all, like, Whatever feels like is the next big step within five minutes, it will be something that you almost look back on and cringe. That's the wonderful thing about being a creative is that every time you feel like you're, you're progressing or you've got to that end destination, you find the next thing you want to get to and immediately you bypass what was an obsession before. But what, what, what is the direction that you want to go in? Are you looking to build up like a big portfolio of work and end up being like the Dutch celebrity photographer that that everyone in Hollywood wants to fly out and do stuff with, or do you want it to be a job? Do you enjoy it being just a a, a sort of a pastime, a bit of a hobby? What's what, what do you want photography to become? Well, I do, I do want it to become a job, but it's, um, I like, I like shooting a lot of things, but I do, I do want to shoot people. That's, that's the, um, that's the main thing. And, I'd love to shoot more client work, but I also want to move more towards, um, editorial work. That would be, that would be a goal for the next five to eight years. Maybe, um, we'll see maybe, maybe in five years, I look back at this conversation like you said, <laughs> and think, what the hell was I thinking overestimating myself left, right and center. But let's say for the next five to 10 years, editorial work, that's something I really, I really would love to shoot more fashion editorial on film. That would be, that would be amazing. Let's talk about gear. I get criticized quite a bit with the podcast and talking about gear enough. So to placate the people that get angry at me for not talking about gear, let's talk about gear. (laughs) Let's talk about your, your, your current setup, your favorite pieces of gear that you're currently using. Um, that's, that is, well, I'm gonna maybe, maybe disappoint a few of your listeners, but I don't use, I don't use a lot of gear. I have two bodies. One is a uh, 5D Mark IV, uh, for the, for the digital stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's usually tethered into capture one, uh, if possible, if not, then it's, it just goes on the SD. Um, that's equipped with either, um, 51.4 or a 24 to 72.8. Um, I use the L series 24 to 70. Um, the film camera is a EOS three, which is kind of the film equivalent of the five D. I think you also have the one V, which would be the one DX, I yep. think. Um, so yeah, it's the EOS three for me. And well, usually- the, I have to say the, the EOS three, I think is personally, I think is the best 35 millimeter camera that you can get, especially I, so I came from shooting Canon digitally originally and, the about six years ago, seven years ago, I picked up an EOS three by accident almost. Um, I was, I knew nothing about film at the time. I had no particular interest in film, but I was in a, uh, like a secondhand, I don't know what the Dutch term is, but like a used camera shop. And um, there was this camera that looked like a, a, a 5D Mark III, a 5D Mark IV, whatever. 
but it was film. And I was like, well, that, that feels like that'll be really straightforward then. There's, you know, what could possibly go wrong? And I can just use all my lenses. So I, that was my way of convincing my wife that it was a good investment. <laughs> and uh, I actually think it's probably my favorite camera uh, by quite a distance. And even though I don't shoot film as much, maybe as I'd like to, or I should, it's definitely probably my favorite camera because it's the most fun to use. And it, you have so many... Firstly, I love the size of the thing because it feels like a real SLR. It feels really big and chunky and you know, you know you're using it. But like you said earlier, you have that delayed gratification. So you get really into the shooting. I really enjoy the shooting, but you're not constantly paying attention to the screen. It, it, I think it's, I, I genuinely think it's probably the most fun thing. I'm sure there's someone right now foaming at the mouth because I'm not mentioning like a Leica or something, but it's honestly <laughs> the most fun camera to use. Um, so you shoot digital and film then. What, what's the decision? How do you make the decision between what you're shooting on film and what you're shooting on digital? I usually start out on digital. Uh, most of the um, most of the client work I do, uh, and when I say client, it's usually models or just you know run of the mill people mm-hmm. who come to me for a shoot, uh, and I tell them, well, listen, I shoot predominantly film because people come to me because of the look they see online. And if they don't get that look, they might be disappointed. So I'll explain to them, listen, I shoot predominantly film, um, but it's also, if you're not used to modeling, then it, it can be, it can be good to have that visual feedback. So I shoot a sort of hybrid setup. And also I do have some smaller clients that I work for. And those, uh, those shoots are also hybrid where I shoot digital on the side, uh, to, to, to see if they like it, to see if they want to change something or don't like my ideas or whatever. And then if I'm about 80 or 90% there, I'll switch to film and take it from there. And that's, yeah, that's about it. I mean, is that down to the fact that the start of the shoot is like, it's a bit of a warm up. It's the, the first few photos that you're taking are never going to be the best ones. So is no. it like the digital can be, uh, they can be disposable essentially because it's just a warming up exercise to get into the, the, the feel of the shoot. Yeah, that's it. And, um, especially if you, if you shoot studio, then you need some sort of visual feedback to see how the light is falling. And even though you can use a light meter, it's, um, I know how to use a light meter, but it's, it's, it's much faster just to take a shot and see how it looks and take it from there. So yeah, it's kind of a warm up run and it's also, uh, serves as a backup. I mean, film is, is a physical, it's a physical item. It's a physical role. So if that gets lost or destroyed or someone drops it and steps on it or whatever, then it's, it's, it's gone. So that's what scares me a little bit. So that's at least you have some digital backup files to, to, to save the day and to, especially if it's client work, you don't want to lose half the day, half a day work. Right. Right. No, hundred percent. So that's, that's, I, I like to put people in corners and make them make decisions because uh, basically I'm English and I want everyone to be as miserable as what I am. If I was to tell you that you're only allowed one camera and you're only allowed one lens from here on out, but you can pick anything, like not what you currently have, but anything in the world, what's the one camera, one lens, but you have to work with that for the rest of your career? At the risk of sounding boring, (laughs) (laughs) I'd still, I'd still probably go with my EOS three and a 24 to 70 2.8. So I was right then, the EOS 3 is the best 35mm camera. Yeah, I think so. I never, I never shot with the Leica or, or anything else. I did use the, uh, the AE-1 for a while, but the manual focus, it's, it's, the experience of shooting it is fun, but if, if time becomes a factor, then yeah, that's, that's, that's not going to happen. But I, I really like the EOS 3 because it, it sort of behaves like a digital camera, but it is film and you can, there's a good light meter on it and it, it feels sturdy and it feels like you're actually using it. Like you say, and yeah, it, it's real, it's a, it's a workhorse. And that's something I really like. I don't like bringing a ton of different cameras. I just want one thing that works every time. And I think the, the EOS three with a 24 to 70 
I think I can be I can be 85 and still shoot that camera and still get great results. Amazing. So let's go to the other side of things then. So uh, this is the hardest question, it seems, for people to answer who photograph people. I feel like you might be okay because you, you are interested in work that I think this would speak to. But the, what, if you could pick one person right now and, and we'll move sentimental stuff aside, so we'll move like family aside. But if you could pick one person right now to photograph, you know, celebrity, musician, model, actress, actor, anything like that, who would you pick to be your like one dream subject? Ooh, that's, that's a difficult one. Um, someone from the Netherlands would, would be, would be Doughton, Doughton Cruz. She would be, she would be on the top of my list and internationally. I've always been a fan of Kate Moss. So right. yeah, um, that's, that's also probably one of, one of the most boring answers you can get, but. Well, you were quite, you were quite clever because what you did was you gave a domestic and an international answer. So you really got to give two answers. You were very yeah, clever. I got, I got two answers in. Yeah. How's that? Yeah. Because Kate Moss, I feel like Kate Moss is really, is really the pinnacle of, um, of edgy without being too too much out there she's she her eyes and her face she's yeah she can do it all now i've interviewed a couple of dutch photographers in the past and you guys speak english better than than i do which is depressing (laughs) but it, it this is the first time i've spoken to a Dutch portrait photographer, I think. I, I've done 164 of these, so if I've missed someone, I feel really bad. But my, to my mind right now, you're the first Dutch portrait photographer where that's your, or, or person photographer, that's your thing. Is, is, there a, is there like a, a Dutch accent to photography? Like, is there something that about your photos that are particularly Dutch? Or, or is there like a Dutch thing in photography that maybe you notice that isn't done by the Americans or the English or the Italians or is there, is there like a local accent to your photography? To be honest, I think not. I think a lot of, a lot of photographers look at each other and look at the grades, um, whoever, whoever the grades are for, for those, for, for that individual. But no, I don't think there's a particular, well, the weather may be, <laughs> something you need to you need to learn how to control i'm not i'm not uh such a strobe wizard i'd love to i'd love to use more flash even outdoors you know to mimic some sun but that might be sort of a grayish look on photographs that that might be a dutch thing but other than that i don't know actually and what's the scene like out there with because i've got a feel like there's there's plenty of Dutch supermodels and you're, you're, you know, sharing borders with, with so many countries where so like, you know, central Europe is where so many great models have come from and everyone knows how fantastic and not being funny here, but how fantastic Dutch people look. It, is it, is it very easy to, to source models for the work that you do where you are, or is it something that takes a little bit more? Cause I mean, in England, and I don't want to make anyone feel bad here, but finding an attractive English person is, I mean, you have to have a degree to be able to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those people are are notoriously good looking. Um, not not blowing on my own horn here, but um, no, it's a hundred percent true. It's like literally, it's it's a stereotype of the Dutch how good looking they are. Yeah, for a Dutch guy, I'm 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 shorter than one eighty, so I I feel kind of bad about that. <laughs> <laughs> Hide one eighty five, but here we are. Um, yeah, finding finding people to shoot it, it becomes more and more difficult if you have a more and more clear idea of what you want. And a year ago, I shot anything with anybody, and now I try to try to find a good face or a good vibe for an idea I have. But that is that also makes it a lot diff, a lot more difficult. Because uh, you you get into you need to you need to be very specific 
about what you want. And if you find someone that matches all that criteria, then they still need to want to shoot with me as well. And that's, that is something I, I run into now that, um, I'm, I'm kind of at this point where I'm not, I'm not yet there or, or big enough on Instagram for what it's worth to, I'm big enough to, to, to get my foot in the door, but not yet big enough to make it happen. And that is, that can, that's frustrating sometimes because there are a lot of ideas I want to, I want to shoot with specific people. And well, that's, that, that can be hard at times. Is it, is it at a point now where, cause something that happens when you get good at something, I'm sure you've noticed this with music, but anything that you are, you, you know, you learn, you, you start to get on top of, you start to learn more and more, the longer you stick with it, the, you get diminishing returns on the enjoyment. And that sounds like I'm being really dour and, and sad and miserable about it. But the truth is, is the more you start to um, critique yourself and the more that you learn about what you know, when, when you don't know anything about photography and you take a picture and it's just in focus, you feel like photography is the easiest thing in the world. Yeah. And then you learn more and more about photography and you start to be able to essentially just pick apart your own self-esteem more and more and more. And it becomes harder and harder to be happy with what you've done in a lot of cases. Yeah. That's, it's a human thing, right? Yeah. It's the infamous Dunning-Kruger effect. Right. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah. 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 For the people who don't know what the Dunning-Kruger effect is, it essentially says the the, the dumber you are, the, the less of a clue you have how dumb you actually are. Yeah. So the, the first few months of photography, you learn a lot and you think you're the shit and you can shoot anything you want. And then as you as you run into more and more challenging situations, you come to the conclusion that you, you actually don't know anything about photography or you know about half a percent of what's what is what is out there and i feel like i feel like i'm at that point right now where i have a certain idea of what i want and what i want to see and what i don't want to see or um what models i want to shoot with but at the same time i need to come to the conclusion at certain times that i am not there yet and the only way to get there is to to work through that and to, to keep shooting and have peace with the fact that not all shoots are going to be at the level you want them to be. In fact, I think most of my shoots, when I drive home, I'm like, well, I could have done this better or that better, or it, I should have, should have said this, or I should have spotted that. Um, I feel, I feel bad 90% of the time. But that is also that can also be um, a driving factor to to grow and to learn and to to really want to be better and not not be not be scared to to fail. I think that's the biggest the biggest lesson, even even from music. You know, not it's it's only music and it's only photography. If you if you mess up, yeah, no one's you mess up a photograph. Yeah, so what? No one's gonna die. It's not like you're right. You're performing and performing an open heart surgery or whatever. You, if you fly a plane and you make a mistake, people die, and that's that yeah. is not that is not the case in this. So you can you can easily fail and not really care about it. But you reach that point where, um, like you you know, kind of what you alluded to with Dunning Kruger, you reach that point where you realize you're smart enough to know that you're not very smart. Yeah. And there's kind of a fork in the road at that point. And people that go on to be successful and successful is a a completely subjective thing. Like what I would be happy with calling myself successful over someone else would think is a complete failure. And what someone else would be calling an amazing success, I would call a failure because it's about what your own personal goals are. So it's all very subjective to the person. But you get to this fork in the road and it's like, well, one way you realize that you're basically an idiot who thought they were smart and you can treat that as, as motivation to learn as much as possible. Cause you realize there's still so much to learn and that's the fun side of it for me. Or you go to the other side of it, which is like, well, if I just 
stay exactly here, then I can keep pretending that I know everything and I don't have to learn how I don't know anymore. And I think there are, especially when it comes to, when you mix in like social media numbers and the, the biblical terms are now associated with social media, like followers. I think there are people that get to that fork in the road and they just stand still because they're like, well, I can just keep pretending and I can just keep repeating that one thing that I've learned how to do over and over and over and over again. And then I can continue to call myself fantastic at what I do. And there's nothing essentially wrong with that. I mean, I, I can't imagine really a worse hell for a creative to be in than to say, it's easier for me to not be creative than to admit that I don't know as much as I think I do. Did you have like a moment on a, on a shoe or looking at your portfolio? I think most of mine tend to come at like three in the morning when I'm organizing my website and I just get really miserable. But did you have a moment where you were kind of like, you went from being that plucky, happy, like everything I do is fantastic. And then you kind of were like, ah, oh, fuck, I got to learn a lot of stuff here. And, and I've got to make that decision that, you know, I've got to, got to really admit that I don't know enough and I've got to go and learn more. Yeah, I kind of fell into that for the last three months now, I think. Um, watching other photographers work, uh, I, I assist some people every now and then. I assist um, a photographer friend from, from the Netherlands quite a lot. And she is, she is a really, really amazing fashion photographer. She, she makes really great work. Um, I don't know if, if she listens to this, but... Um, she, she knows who she is and watching her work. She's only 23. So next to her, I, I, I feel like a complete idiot knowing nothing. Um, but that really motivates me to, 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 to dig in and to find out what is it that I don't know and what is it that's going to help me to, to become that guy in five to 10 years that does shoot an editorial for folk on film preferably. So. I like the fact that you've, you've already got the demands ready for when Vogue call you. You're like, yeah, it's going to be on film, guys. All right. I know yeah. what you want, but yeah. it's going to be on film. Yeah. If you, if you want, if you want me, then <laughs> yeah, that's preferably medium format, but yeah, I still, uh, I still need to learn how to, how to master the 35 millimeter realm. There's a lot to be learned there. Um, but yeah, it, I, I kind of fell or slid into that. For the last three to four months, realizing that my work also started to look pretty similar. And that's also, that is, that is a gear thing though. I shot everything with a 50 prime. So yeah, there's, there's, there's only so much angles you can shoot at with a 50. I mean, if you have a 35 or 70 or uh, 70 to 200 or whatever it gives you a little bit more flexibility and it opens up other angles and it opens up another creative drawer that was previously closed due to the limitations you set for yourself. Right. I mean, um, those, those self-imposed limitations though are fantastic for making you work harder. And it's something I've seen so many times with photographers on, on workshops or just when I've been out assisting that they they give themselves so many options that they never make a decision. They just jump from gear to gear to gear to gear to constantly problem solve. But they don't they don't they don't, they change gear as if they, they'll go from they'll go from one lens to another to another to another, literally shot to shot almost, and almost hoping that something will just click and work out rather than it being an informed decision. Like you're saying, oh well, the fifties limiting in terms of the angles that you're getting. Well, I've literally had, I had a workshop about five years ago where a guy turned up and it's like a one day workshop. It's just outdoor portrait stuff. It's pretty straightforward. And he turned up with two Pelican cases filled with lenses. He actually broke one of my doors trying to get them through the door. I was really pissed off. And all day, all he did was he would like take a shot, look at the back of the camera, panic, change gear, take a shot, look at the back of the camera. And it was like a constant cycle of as if the gear was going to pick up the slack. And it's, it's interesting you say, like, you noticed the issue of, of keep shooting that one way and you noticed the limitations of it. And then that's when you should be feeling like 
you need to make a change when you feel like you're hitting the ceiling on something and you need to do something to get up to that next level or to to change things up. That's how most people should view gear, in my opinion, is that like it needs to get out of your way. And it, it, that that's down to your opinion of the shot, not what you think of the gear or how much the gear was or what other people think of what gear you own. Yeah, exactly. That's that's one of that's that's also a big takeaway I got from from music. Um, when I just started out, uh, I'm a bass player, so um, I saw a lot of a lot of bass players bringing bringing two to three basses to a gig, bring an amp, bring pedals and stuff like that. Um, but I, I I looked at at the Motown era, for example, and that was all done with one bass and one cable and that's it yeah and that that's that's what i wanted and that's that's why i answered the question of, of you know the the desert island cam that would be that would be a workhorse i want something that always works and i don't like dragging around a lot of shit so i bring i bring as little as possible but you know that this the stuff you bring should should be should be sufficient for your view and your ideas and if if a 50 isn't isn't going to cut it then bring a 24 to 70 you know have have some flexibility in terms of options but yeah i i also don't want to bring five lenses i don't even have money to buy a 35 and a 50 and an 85 and a 24 maybe and a 100 I, i just want one thing that always works yeah if you let's say if you if you shoot a lot of client work if you shoot 40 outfits a day you don't even have time to switch lenses all day you just want one that works because because everyone wants to wants to be in their car by five so you you better get to it well let's talk about i feel like i've i've taken you down a little bit of a reflective path and maybe i've been a bit miserable and i want to the last thing (laughs) i want is for you to go away from this podcast thinking that i I didn't want to bring, put you on a downer. I don't want you to think I was putting you on a downer because, like I said at the beginning, I'm a huge fan. Uh, you have a, this conversational quality you have with your images is something that I just cannot get. And as hard as I try, I'm, I'm still working through. That's where I currently am, is trying to figure out that side of things. We've talked and, you know, you've been very candid about where you think your weaknesses lie and, and what, wh- where you are in terms of your opinion on your own work and things that you're working through. Let's talk about the positives. Let's talk about what you think. And this is really hard for people to do. So I apologize, but yeah. what do you, what do you feel like your biggest strength is as a photographer? Um, I think, I think it is what, what you, what you say it is that my, my photos look natural and conversational and not, not so posed as, as other photographer's work that is something I, I i'm really going for that when people look look at the photos i took of them they say well i'm, I'm looking at myself instead of a version of myself and that right. is i think i think i'm on the right path when it comes to that and that's that that is why i think my work works at least for me i like i like the outcome most of the time and if I don't like it, it's not, it's never going to see the light of day. So <laughs> that's <laughs> the best part, know. right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm in charge. So yeah, that would be, be the biggest, the biggest positive. I think that I can, I can bring that out in people for some reason. I feel terrible. I'm talking to a film photographer. I talked about gear and I, I, I can literally already see the messages I'm going to get over this. So very quickly, favorite film stocks. Portrait four hundred by far. It's it's it, this is this is a chain of boring answers. I know, but Portra is 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 my all time favorite. I uh, I've tried different things. I've tried Ultra Max, and I've tried. I think I even shot gold at a certain point, but I'm not sure. Um, so yeah, Portra four hundred or Portra eight hundred both are are great, but four hundred. By, by by a landslide, actually. All right. That's, that's, it's nothing wrong with a, a, a consistent answer. It's not a boring answer. It's a consistent answer. You have, yeah. you have, you've, and you've it, trialed and error and you found stuff that you like. Yeah. Yeah. I've tried. I, I, I didn't, I didn't shoot with a lot of different film stocks, but uh, the most, the, the majority of the film photographers shoot Portra 400 and it's, it's probably for a reason. It's the, 
it's the latitude it's the it's the look it's the warmth it's the natural vibe it's the it's it's grainy but it's not too grainy i like the grain to be too much in your face I mean, it's, it, it needs to be subtle enough to to take the rough edges off but it still needs to be sharp and crisp and portrait does that for me and um for black and white I shot some HP. I don't shoot a lot of black and white, but I like HP five, but I also like T max. T max is a little bit more contrast than the HP five. Um, but yeah, both, both are great actually. Now the most important thing with the podcast, it's literally the only reason it exists is that I'm trying to make everyone like things that I like so that more of those things then exist. And I'm turning the whole world into my own algorithm essentially. <laughs> so to do that, I need to to let people know where they can go to find your work. I'm a bit, I really like your website. So uh, website, Instagram, where where's the best place for people to find you and what you do? Um, I would say first up is Instagram. I just started started building my website, but it's basically uh, my Instagram feed only on a website. So Instagram is where I'm at most of the time. I try to post couple times a week but i don't want to post for the sake of posting i don't i don't really like that so if i shot some stuff i like i just put it out there and if i don't have anything i like for a week then i won't post for a week so i share some some of my work uh in my stories and i got some bts reels so yeah instagram instagram is where it's where it's at but the hardest part is that my name is very Dutch. So <laughs> I don't know if you have any show notes. Um, there'll be links. Don't worry. There'll be links. But do you want to, do you want to spell it out for people so that they'll be able to find you on, on Instagram? Yeah, it's at by Jelle Stockhoff. That is, that is a B, a Y, a J, an E, double L, so L, L, E, S, T, O, K, H-O-F. I think people will be all right with that. I think they'll be fine. People are, people are, people are used to funny names now. You know, I got a funny name in England. Everyone always thinks I'm Polish, which drives me insane. <laughs> it, it definitely shows up people's uh, xenophobia in England because I get people, uh, I'm a wedding photographer by trade and I get people that um, contact me and you can always tell the weddings that I don't want to do because one of their first questions is, am I from England? And it's because my name is a foreign sounding name. Uh, so they're instantly like, oh, he must be from somewhere. And it's like, you know, I don't know how that matters. If you like my photos enough to email me, you should just, you know, you should just book me or, you know, whatever. I don't know. I don't understand most people. Totally agree with that. Yeah. I've spent the last 15 months in a flat looking at a window trying to figure out the human race and I'm no closer to understanding anything. It's been such a privilege to um, have the chance to talk with you. Um, I look forward to seeing a lot more of your work to come. But yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Thank you for having me. I feel very, very honored that after after a year of shooting. All right, do don't, you don't have to keep rubbing it in that you've only been shooting for a year, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Thank you so much for the invite. I really appreciate it. We missed the final 